Thank you, Anne. Thank you for being bold as well. I can tell you that if you want to know stress, one of the things you should do is say yes to doing a sermon on stress. <laughs> because God has a sense of humor. And one of the things he says is, I don't just want you to um, read books about this or Google it. I want you to know real time what it's like. And um, so over the last few weeks, there's been quite a lot of sort of stressful incidents in my life. And um, I was telling the earlier congregation that one of them was that I managed to leave my iPad in a rather obscure service station in Bedford. And um, I couldn't get back there for two days. And I spent two days of absolute panic about what was on my iPad and what could it show somebody who had found this thing and whether they could get loads of money or buy loads of things off Amazon or whatever, whatever. Um, and that made me realize just how dependent we are now on some of these things like phones and iPads and uh, the digital life. So I want to uh, ask you a question, which uh, I'd like you to quickly talk to your neighbor about. Do you think there is more stress now than in times past? And if so, why? Quick buzz for a few minutes. I think there's something there. We certainly have more stuff to worry about, don't we? And, um, yeah, okay, one more. When I was a young man, a long time ago... Point it towards you. Like, right, there yeah. was no stress. There was no stress? No, but there is now. Okay, so why, why do you think that is? The, the world we live in. Okay, yeah. it's a more stressful world? Yeah. Okay, or we're more namby-pamby and don't cope with it as well. Okay, one more. Between us. Oh, between us, okay. Well, we, we, we were talking about it and we said that the, the stress that our parents had to put up with during the war mm. is far greater than anything that we have to do. Yeah. And they didn't have the communication that they had. My father was away for three and a half years and my mother had just had a few letters from him yeah. and, and that was it and the stress of that and I can remember going into the shelter uh, when the doodle bugs were coming because I only got the end of the war and uh, that was stress yeah. yeah okay I think we're saying there's different types of stress as well um right we're not going to be able to cover everything about stress this morning out the way. Um, but I hope that we're going to be able to look at something that might be useful. I'm uh, going to concentrate on just a few things. In this first part, we are thinking a little bit about what stress is today and our experience of stress. Then we'll have our reading. And in the second half, I want to look at two pictures and two passages that might help to get us more 
Rocked and rooted is in my mind. Rocked and rooted. I'll explain that later. Now, I am conscious that we use the term stress rather loosely because some people seem to thrive on stress, don't they? Some people seem to build stress into their lives almost and other people don't thrive on stress. And we may say we are stressed when we just have a particularly busy week or when we have deadlines to meet or when our life seems too full. But others may feel, and some of you may be feeling this at the moment, that you are in a time of prolonged stress, that you are finding hard to bear, perhaps with financial worries or family breakdown or loss and grief or health concerns. And for some, there is stress that they can't cope with and they must and that may push them into anxiety, into mental health issues. I found um, this brief snapshot that is on the screen. Don't worry if you can't read it all. But it does say here that 85% of UK adults are experiencing stress regularly. Uh, over a third of British residents feel stressed for at least one full day per week. 39% of UK adults admit that they feel too stressed in their day-to-day -day lives. 54% uh, of people are, who are stressed worry about the impact it might be having on their health. 32% of people said exercise helps them overcome stress. So there's some positive stuff there. And I think there certainly is a perception that younger people today are more stressed than previous generations, and you might like to look at this. So um, young adults struggle with stress over 12 days per month on average. 69%, that's a really high percentage, apparently are worried that stress will have impact on their health. And we've been uh, hearing in the news recently about eco-worry, about um, worry about the environment and other stresses. Now, it may be that um, uh, this is because young people, uh, by definition, young people have less life experience at coping with stress. But I suspect also that young people are more honest about their feelings and more honest in admitting when they are feeling stressed. And also there are new stress factors that impact on them more. So we've been again reading in the press this week about the high percentage of young people who can't afford a house, who can't afford to live independently, who are still having to live with their parents perhaps or in rather dodgy rented accommodation. There's a lot about job instability for young people and often no escape from work. They're expected to be online and available all the time. There's a lot about social media and cyberbullying, things that I didn't have to cope with when I was their age. There's quite a lot about expectations and the need to succeed and comparing yourself with other people, which I think was one of the things that James was mentioning. 
And a lot of younger people are coming from homes where they don't have the support and the backup, where there's been family breakup, and they're having to cope with difficulties in relationship themselves. So there's a lot of reasons why the younger generation may be finding it particularly difficult to live in our complex world. And finally, there's, there's this, which you may have seen if you, if you get Surrey live. Um, apparently, uh, Surrey Heath is the least happy place in the UK, <laughs> according to the government's national well-being measures. Now, I suspected that this might be fake news, so I tried to look up the government's national well-being measures, and I've got two councillors here who are nodding at me, um, and, um, and it was actually quite difficult to work out whether, um, from the stats that I saw, not being an expert in stats, that, um, whether this is true. But I think it was, I think I, it may be true that... Surrey Heath is the lowest in Surrey on um, a measure of how happy people are and how anxious they feel. We, so it sounded as if Surrey Heath were, uh, the people of Surrey Heath were the least happy and the most anxious of people in Surrey. Um, somebody said yesterday that must be because of the roadworks. Um, <laughs> I think this was done before the roadworks and the Surrey Live thing linked it with the new town centre, but I don't think it's to do with that either. So. so it sounds as if there's a lot of stress around and we as Christians are not immune from that. Our faith does not protect us from all the happenings of life, the bad things as well as the good things. And we can find it difficult to cope as well, which is why Jesus and the Bible says such a lot about ways of dealing with worry and uncertainty and fear. And for me, I have found that it's often um, a build-up of a lot of smaller things that tips me over rather than the really big things in life. And this may be my experience rather than yours, but I certainly feel that when my father died a couple of years ago, um, when I was made redundant, when I had a few health scares, all those things were scary and it was difficult to trust in them. But I felt I had a lot of support and prayer around me, perhaps because I asked for it, perhaps because they were big things and I asked for it. I was thinking about stress and I was thinking of two times when I felt near the edge. And um, interestingly, um, because I've been around in this church a long time, they're, they're linked in my mind with places in this church. So one time was when I was prayed for in that back corner there um, and I was quite desperate and felt I was being crushed by two boulders um, because two things had come together that were too big for me to cope with. 
and Jan prayed with me, I remember about that. And I remember another time where I sat on one of those chairs there in tears after a service and our former curate, Russ, prayed with me. And both those times, I just felt I was near the edge of real anxiety about different situations. Jesus was tested in every way as we are, says the Bible. And when you think of him on the road to Jerusalem and the stress factors that were in his life, you wonder how he coped. One of the stress factors is being single, having no family support, being rejected in his hometown and his family, being homeless and dependent, being hated and abused and misunderstood, responsible for the well-being of others, overwhelmed by those who came to him in need and travelling to an unknown and dangerous future. So I think Jesus probably knows about dealing with stress. So we're going to, Joe's going to read some words that he said, and then we're going to look at those. So today's Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 6, verses 46 to 49, and you can find this at the bottom of page 1034 on the church Bibles, which are at the end of the pews if you want to take a look, but it's also going to be on the screen. The wise and foolish builders... Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Okay, in this second part, I want to um, look at our foundations, because when I was thinking about this, I thought, what can we look at about stress? And it seemed that God was saying, look at your foundations. So we're going to look at two pictures around the idea of what we're building on and where our foundations are. And the first picture is this. It's a picture, I'm, I'm largely saying this for, the, for Ken's benefit. Um, this is a picture of a lighthouse standing on a rock. And the, tre- the trees are, uh, the trees, <laughs> the waves are surging around it, but it's still standing proud. It's still standing there, even though the water is coming up against it and surging around it. 
And I think this picture relates to that passage we heard about the wise and the foolish builders. Many of us learnt that story when we were young and because of that it's often thought of as a cautionary tale for children. We think we know what that is all about, don't we? It's about laying Jesus as a foundation in our lives and then you'll be able to stand when all around you falls down. So the question I want to ask is, what are we building our lives on? What are we building our lives on? When I came back and looked at that passage, there were two surprises for me in it. One was the reason that Jesus told this story. It says that Jesus told this story because... Um, it is about hearing the words of God and putting them into, and failing to put them into practice. It's about hearing the words of God and failing to put them into practice. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man who built his house on the rock. It is about hearing the words of God and whether we put them into practice or not. The wise man hears God and goes and acts on what he hears. And the foolish man also hears God, but he doesn't act on what he hears. So here, there is something here about hearing and trusting and doing. There is something here about taking the word of God and trusting in it enough to put it into action, about taking risks and building faith, about being prepared to serve and to keep on serving. And the question I ask myself when I read this now is, how often do I hear God, but don't act on what I hear, don't put it into practice? When I do that, I am like the foolish person that Jesus describes. And the other thing about this passage that I was reminded of this week is that what Jesus is saying is that the two houses, the one built by the wise builder and the one built by the foolish builder, may well have looked identical from the outside. They could have looked equally smart and equally sturdy until the rain and the floods came. Now, I didn't realize when I chose this passage some weeks ago that we would be surrounded by images of floods this week. Um, but indeed, that has happened. Um, we have seen lots of images of houses being damaged by floods. The difference between these two houses built by these two people is that in one, the builder had dug down deep to lay the proper foundations. And that still stood when all around was flattened by the flood. Now I chose this picture of a lighthouse because they are built to be stormproof, to be strong and to withstand whatever nature throws at them. 
The amazing things is that many lighthouses were built in treacherous, dangerous places over a hundred years ago with picks and shovels and back-breaking work. And they had to dig down deep to lay the foundations. They aren't just plonked on a rock, but anchored with iron piles driven deeply down and held firm by huge granite blocks and quick-drying concrete, which was invented for this very purpose. The Bishop Rock Lighthouse off the Isles of Scilly has 5,700 tonnes of stone at its base. That sounds a lot to me. And those foundations need to be constantly monitored and frequently repaired, or the whole structure can be undermined. So what is this saying to us today? Be wise, my friends, and dig deep. If you want your life to stand firm in the hard times, be prepared in the good times. For some of us, it may be that we are not building our life on the rock that is Jesus at all, but on something far more shaky, on career or money or relationships. You might like to ask, how central is Jesus to you? How do you choose and decide and plan for the future? And for some of us, it may what God is saying today may be about listening and doing. We come, we listen, but we don't let it change our lives. And for some of us, it might be about the need to strengthen those foundations, to go deeper with God, to put God first, to go back to the beginning, to start out again, to look at our first love. Because we need to know that our security is in him and him alone. And I wonder if that is God's message for you today. I want to look at the second picture. Oh, we're going to have Psalm 1. Sorry, sorry, Stefan, I'm confusing you. Let's, um, can we have Psalm 1 on the screen? Thank you. The other passage I want to look at is this. So that was about being rocked, and this one is about being rooted because I think both of them are important. Shall we read this together? This is Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the ways of the righteous, but the ways of the wicked lead to destruction. And the picture I chose to go with that is this. Rooted. We are to be a rooted people. And this psalm draws a contrast between the people of God who are rooted 
and nourished by God, growing and thriving and fruitful. And for Ken's benefit, this is a picture of trees by a water, by a stream or a lake, rooted and nourished by God. And the contrast is with the wicked who refuse to walk in God's ways, who are like chaff blown in the wind with no roots and no security. So my question with this is, what is nourishing us? What do we draw our life from? In the psalm, the picture is of a life constantly watered by God. Uh, This means that the tree is nourished and healthy and fruitful and long-lasting. And that nourished life shows itself in a delight in the law of the Lord. A delight in all the words and ways of God. And because of that desire to walk God's way, the believer is also able to turn away from all other influences because they don't want anything to get in the way of that relationship with God. And you may think that Jesus picks up this theme when he talks about us being branches of the vine and staying closely connected to him and being filled with his spirit. God-filled people continually drawing up and giving out So I wonder what God is saying to us through that picture. For some of us, it might be about that connection, about how much time we give to God and how we meet with God in prayer. And for some of us, it might be about nourishing. Are we letting other things feed us so we have no appetite for the things of God? Do we delight in him? So I'm coming to an end, but I just want you to hold those two pictures or think of those two pictures. The storm-battered lighthouse or the tranquil waters. Can you hear me? Yes. And I just would like you to think about where you are at the moment. God wants to work on your foundations, what would that mean for you? Would it mean perhaps bringing your stress to God today, bringing that to God in some way and we will have healing prayer available? Would it mean um, doing something like going back to basics, alpha course, grace course, happiness course? All of those could be things that we might put on in the new year if there was a demand. Would it help to have someone alongside you mentoring life groups, prayer partners? Do come and have a chat with me if you want to think about your next step. Finally, God knows that our lives may be hard and he has called us this generation to live in a complex world but he wants us to feel secure in him and be able to trust him in spite of everything that's going on around us 
So first of all, God says, I want you to be wise. Make sure you are building your life on rock, on sure foundations, and dig down deep into me. And secondly, God says, I want you to be blessed. Make sure you draw deeply on my word and my life. Stay close to me and let my spirit nourish you and guide you. Let's just pray together. Father, you know that many of us are finding it difficult to cope with the demands of life around us. Would you come now and speak to us and show us how our lives can be more secure in you, how we can trust you more and how we can stand when the pressure seems hard and tough. And if you want to do something today, Lord, we ask that you would be enabled to do that in us today. Healing and security. Give us what we need, we pray. Amen.